everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. Here we are in the heart of Arlington County. Of course, we are in Clarendon. Back for episode 124. And we got a full crew intact to get us through this episode. Excited to bring in my co-host to my right. It's Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Do you know what holiday is tomorrow? Holiday. Is it one of those, you know, there's a day for everything? There is a day for everything. So what's so, tomorrow? So it's not really a holiday, but, you know, it's, it's usually sun. like Cupcakes Day or Wear Pink Day or, uh, you know what, is it? National Running Day tomorrow? I don't know. No, that's in June. Tomorrow okay. is National Coffee Day. Coffee Day. All right. Well, that's going to not resonate with anybody in this room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's bring in our other co-host who doesn't drink coffee to my left, William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Cupcakes. <laughs> he does eat cupcakes. You, you mentioned cupcakes. Yes. Yes. They're just cupcakes, people. Yep. That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know why there needs to be a line down the block in yeah. Georgetown, but... Uh, you know, what's interesting is there's a line outside of Georgetown Cupcakes. I mean, there's a line outside of a cupcake place in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to give them a right, plug. Right, of course. Right. Uh, every day except for International Cupcake Day. On that <laughs> day, it. they take a day off from cupcakes. So wow. it's, it's, that's how that uh, holiday is observed. And again, more inside baseball stuff on uh, Pace the Nation here. Mm-hmm. So we encourage you to listen to all 123 previous episodes so you can understand a lot of the inside stuff. The obsession with cupcakes? Yes. (laughs) Well, Doc says a lot of inside stuff, and if you Uh don't understand. Yeah. Like last week, I enjoyed your question about the scientists. Yeah. Uh, You know, for someone like Graham, who probably hadn't listened to the show yet, uh, I thought he handled that really well. Uh, but a, a good question. Yeah. Uh, uh, a good question for the loyal listeners who, right, who exactly. know how well, many that's, that's scientists the, we use. That's the trick is to layer your question so mm-hmm. that uh, it's not completely awkward in the room. Right. But then for the loyal listener, they're also like, ooh, I like that yes. second layer to that. Yep, no doubt. Now, I said that's what a good question is. My questions suck because they're always awkward in the room. <laughs> they generally That's are. my style. All right, excited about the big show to get to today, guys. Excited to be joined in studio by two guests. Do we get two guests for the price of one? We do. We do. Ooh, and our and our listeners get two guests for the price of one. We're gonna download. We, we do <laughs> absolutely. We we're gonna talk about uh, very important there. Well, we are excited to be joined by the director of a new film. The film is Endure. Uh, it comes out in November. The director is Jay Korf. And also in studio, we are going to have the subject of the film, uh, Tom Mitchell. They call him Tattoo Tom, uh, who is an advocate for child uh, cancer. His website is stillbrave.org. So we're going to talk about uh, his mission to run a 200-mile ultramarathon. Jay will talk about his journey filming and putting together this movie of Tattoo Tom Mitchell, uh, and should be a should be a fun show. I don't know how we're going to fit everybody in the in the room here, but should be a a do we have inspiring a, good show? Do we have a, 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 a an intricate pulley system where we can like suspend <laughs> from the ceiling like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible? Uh, we haven't in, we haven't installed that yet. There's a lot of ceiling space. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Steve, get on that. That's there's the next there's one. more vertical space than there is. That, that is that is true. 
Uh, Steve, you, you've been tasked with a new uh, job uh, here for Pace the Nation. Farley, you know what the problem with that is? No, what would that be? Uh, he's going to ask for us for our weight <laughs> in order to do that, and I'm definitely going to lie. Right, that's true. And and then it's not going to work. And then you're going to be then you're going to be sprawled out all over the table because it's going to be yeah. broken. Yeah. Um, also, in today's show, Docs went to a concert in Charlottesville. Uh-huh. A co- concert for Charlottesville it was an evening of music and unity. I want you to tell us about that. Uh, Joanna did the Clarendon Day 10K, 5K. Did you do them both? I did the double, yep. You did the double. So we'll get a race report from you on today's program. We also had a listener uh, run that uh, race as well, and I want to talk about that uh, real quickly when we talk about the Clarendon Day races. Also, we have... Uh, a Facebook update. Is it Facebook or thus Facebook? Uh, it's the Facebook, of course. Everybody okay. knows it's the Facebook. Okay. And Docs wants to share something. Uh, I don't know what it is. Nope. But we are going to give him the floor uh, later on in the program. Thank you. All right. So here's the point of the show where we usually talk about the weather somewhere in the intro. Oh, that'll come up. Yeah. And uh, the weather was steamy this weekend for the Clarendon Day 5K and 10K. I, I don't know if it was steamy. I don't know if it was as hot on Sunday as it was on Saturday. Mm, was the race Sunday? Yes. The race okay. was Sunday this year. Uh, and Joanna participated in both. And I know how much you dislike the heat. So I'm I'm bracing myself. Is, is this going to be a race report or is this going to be a weather report? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bracing myself for some negativity. Although I thought it was a great race. <laughs> I thought it was a great race. Yeah, because right? you were on the Objection, sideline. Objection, Your Honor. Right, right, right. Leading the witness. Right. Uh, yes, I was on the sideline. I wasn't running. Uh, it was a long weekend for the Pacers running crew. We had a uh, cross-country meet that we put on on Saturday, and that day was as hot of a September day as I can remember. Joanna worked the entire day out there in the sun. Anybody who is miserable, just remember that Chris Farley guaranteed we would not have an Indian summer. Yeah, that's this right. Year. That's right. So, <laughs> so anybody who who believes in jinxes, yes. Uh, so and I know Farley, you believe in, oh, in sports jinxes. Oh, absolutely. So Sunday, uh, the Clarendon Day race, uh, Joanna, I saw you out there. When I saw you, it looked like you're having a good time. So give us your your report. Yeah. So like you said, I worked DCXE, um, and it was I guess maybe the third time that I've worked in the timing crew, and we were there and like loading up the truck until like seven or eight o'clock, and it didn't occur to me until that moment in time that we'd have to go back to the warehouse right. and then load three trucks for the next day for Clarendon Day and the other races Pacers had. Um, so I didn't get home until about midnight. Right. Um, and at that point in time, I kind of made the decision that I would participate in Clarendon Day, but there's no way I was going to try to race it. Um, so that, that I think, removed a lot of any negative thoughts that I might have had about the race because I went into it just thinking that I was just going to have fun right. and, and just enjoy there the you race. Go, lower which, your which is what you should do every time you go out and race is just yeah. try to have a good time and not get inside your head. All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, um, I can give you 13 more tips. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to politely decline. Um, yeah, so it was it was very hot. Um, and the 5K, because it's obviously shorter and you don't spend as much time exposed out on 110, mm-hmm. um, you don't notice it as much. But the, the 10K was pretty, pretty warm. It was the first time in my life that I thought, like, maybe a sweatband would have helped because there was, like, literally just, like, sweat dripping into my eyes. Yeah, it was unfortunately a, like I said, a warm day for September. Um, but 
Let's but otherwise, focus on the yeah, positives it was. Here. Well, no, I have one more negative. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then we'll get to the positives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like in years past, when I've done this race, I feel like I do one or both races every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like there used to be people that had signs on one ten, uh, not on one ten, on um, on Wilson or okay. Clarendon. Yeah, it's Wilson. Wilson, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and this year there was no signs. I didn't see a single sign. Hmm. And that made me sad. I would just like one sign. Maybe, hmm. maybe the uh, folks who make the signs do it on Saturday. just on Saturdays Saturday, and not yeah. on Sundays because they're yeah. in church on Sundays yeah. so that was my other negative critique okay. of the race otherwise it was a lot of fun yeah it's the, always fun to do the double and you know you do the 5k and then I usually just walk back up the hill I know some people take the metro I don't trust the metro so obviously I don't go metro was single tracking that day so it's a good thing you didn't yeah tr- trust it uh, I saw you jogging back up the hill with Joe you guys seem like you're having a good time yeah Okay, good. So any other positives from the race? Um, yeah, I ran with Elise on okay. the 10K. I can't remember the last time Elise and I actually got to run together, so there it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, another positive uh, from the event, we had a listener compete in the race and did an awesome job. Uh, Satya Morthy. People know Satya from the program. He's uh, been on the show. Episode 100. Episode 100. Uh, loyal listener. He competed in the 5K on Sunday after he had surgery this summer on a herniated disc. So he's been on the shelf, not running for some time. So it was great to see him back out there. He ran, walked it. Woohoo! Uh, so it was awesome. Good so, job, Satya. Also, his wife is due today with their second child. Ooh, congrats. Wait, so, today uh, when we're recording, right, not today when right. somebody's listening. <laughs> exactly. So Thursday, uh, September 28th. I think his wife is due to have their second child. So a big week for the Satya family. Well, it sounds like he got healthy just in time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I I couldn't agree more uh, with that statement, Docs. Uh, what do you think is bigger, the uh, the baby or him finishing that 5K? Joanna? The baby. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Babies yeah. tend to be really okay. small, especially right when they're born. <laughs> that's true. That they're really good. tiny that's things. Good. It's a good point, Docs. Yeah. All right, five a five k is five thousand meters. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty big. That is true. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, excited. Uh, next up, we're gonna have both Jake Corf and Tom Mitchell in studio to talk about the new film Endure. Coming up next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Joanna and Docs, excited to be joined in studio. We have two guests. It's a tight space here, but we've got mm-hmm. Tom Mitchell of stillbrave.org. It's a childhood cancer foundation. We'll first bring Tom in. Tom, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm well. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being here. And also, we have uh, Jay Korf of ABC7. He is the director and pretty much everything for the new film endure jay how are you thanks for joining very us. well thank you so much for having me well we are thrilled to have you guys in studio we've got a lot to get into uh we're going to talk about the film we're going to talk about uh tom's foundation 
Um, but Jay, you're you're a runner. Uh, you know Pacers running. Tom, you're a runner. Uh, tell you tell me your connection with with Pacers running, and or talk a little about your running to to get started. Yeah, when I was I was a competitive cyclist when I was a kid mm-hmm. and uh, had to get a job in TV. I wasn't going to go pro back in the late 1980s. <laughs> there was like one pro team, and it was Seven right. Eleven, and you know nobody could get on it. And uh, and I wasn't that talented anyway. And um, you know, for my 30th birthday, I was putting on some weight, and I was way too married to my job and. Uh, my cholesterol was high and I said you know what when I lived in Montana I fell in love with running outdoors and with mountain biking and so I decided and at this time I was living in Tennessee where there's a lot of great trails and I basically was a for about a decade a pretty serious competitive trail runner Mm -hmm. and uh, had a pretty catastrophic injury several years ago now I'm just starting to get back into racing Um, and with some pretty good results shockingly as old as I am um, but uh, one of the things about the film, it's a running film, and I had to keep up with Tom, and yep. we can get into that later, but I actually had to specifically train for the race. Like, I had to, I stopped racing, I stopped training, and I had to, like, you know, carry logs and rocks up hills and do all kinds of crazy stuff so that I could prepare for this bananas 200-mile race. So, Tom, you did run a 200-mile race in training for another one. So have you always been an ultra-marathoner? No, no, not at all. In okay. fact, um, I only, Tom, when I was a kid, only only ran after police were chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, what happened was my daughter got sick uh, with okay. cancer in 2007, and um, I began boxing as kind of sort of a therapeutic outlet. And um, I had two pro fights at, at the, what was in the Patriot Center. But um, it's a long story. It, you know, it's really not a long story. I got knocked out in the first round. <laughs> um, but I raised a lot of money for kids with cancer and their families. Anyway, I, you know, I got too old to fight. And uh, so I was looking for another outlet. And so I put on some running shoes. And, uh, and I went out and I started running on the streets. And long story short, one thing led to another. And, uh, and we found that, that it was a very valuable vehicle to raise money for my foundation. Um, but you can look at me and probably tell that I go to extremes with everything right. that I do. So a 5K wasn't going to cut it for me. So a 5K became a marathon, became a, a 50K, became a 50-mile or 100-mile. And now I'm, I'm – attempting to complete uh, arguably the most difficult ultra marathon in, in the continent, uh, the Bigfoot 200, which we can talk about too, which is the, my current nemesis because I've failed twice to, to complete it, but I'm going back for a third time. And, and he is Tattoo Tom, so uh, we will tweet out why, pictures. Why do they call you that? Well, I don't know. I, I wish they called me Handsome Tom yeah. or maybe Rich Tom, right? You don't get to pick your nicknames. I used to own a tattoo studio yeah. uh, for 10 years. I had okay. a tattoo shop in Fairfax. And when I was fighting professionally, they called me Tattoo Tom. So that name's what I mean, stuck. for the visual, uh, I think we know why they yeah. call you Tattoo <laughs> Tom. Yeah, no doubt. So t- tell us your connection with uh, childhood cancer, Tom. Okay, so in 2007, my daughter called me. She was 16 at the time. She just turned 16, and she said she wasn't feeling good. She said, I think I've got a sinus infection. Uh, so I, she said, you think you take me to the doctors? And I said, yeah, we'll, we'll grab some dinner afterwards. Well, it turns out her science infection was anything but. It was actually a huge cancerous tumor that had taken up two-thirds of her chest and it caused one of her lungs to collapse. Um, so kind of a long story condensed, and I could, I could tell you, you know, go on and on about this. Um, you know, she wound up being diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so we went on a kind of a long journey. Uh, lasted about 18 months of a variety of treatments. And... Um, chemotherapy, radiation, hospital stays, things like that. And unfortunately, in January of 2009, my daughter lost her battle with childhood cancer. Uh, before she passed away, because she was a little bit older, she I was a single dad at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that. So I'm a, you know, I've always owned my own businesses. I've always been a very self-sufficient guy. But when my daughter was sick, um, I became aware of sort of the 
the, what happens to families when they get a childhood cancer diagnosis. It's, it's completely overwhelming uh, for, for very affluent families. And uh, as a single dad, it became debilitating. I couldn't work. I was taking care of her. There were days where I didn't have gas money uh, to get her to the life-saving chemotherapy treatments because I couldn't work. So anyway, she and I had very candid conversations about what my life might look like after she died. And uh, what one of the things we discussed was we wanted to help other people who were in similar situations. We were getting food from a food bank. We were struggling to pay our rent, and we didn't understand why that was happening in the greatest country in the world. And quite frankly, I still don't understand why it's happening in the greatest country in the world. But that's a, I digress. <laughs> that's a whole other story. Uh, but with that being said, um, I made her a promise that I was going to dedicate my life to helping children with cancer and their families after she died. And I even have a tattoo on my wrist that says, you promised, as a reminder mm. to keep that promise. And, uh, and to this day, I've done... Uh, uh, okay job, I think. I think you've done, you've done a great job. The website is stillbrave.org. Uh, Jay, how did you and Tom get connected? So almost, I'd say almost five years ago to the day, um, I did my first local childhood cancer story as mm-hmm. a reporter for Channel 7. It was actually a, an old friend of mine grew up on the same street as the mother of this child, and he gave me a ring and, and said, hey, you know, I think there's a story that you should do. And I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her family. We became very dear friends. I did a number of stories on her, and um, she didn't have a chance. She had this uh, particular kind of brain cancer. If you ever see these acronyms, it's DIPG. It's it's a it's a terminal. It's a terminal dog. You know, you're terminal upon diagnosis because all the kids die, every single one mm-hmm. of them. Um, but she was a remarkable girl. Um, she did more in her ten years than I would gather to say that almost anybody I've ever met has ever done. Raised a ton of money, a ton of awareness. And when she passed, and when we had the memorial service, and I was I was there, I met this guy for the first time. He was one of the main, I met Tom, he was one of the main speakers um, at her memorial service. And he's like, you know, I think I might have some stories that maybe you and I can collaborate on. And because it was, it was running related, I had that connection with him. And um, I did a documentary, a short documentary on his 100 mile race at the Mohican 100, which is in South Central Ohio. And so that was like a 17 minute doc that had a lot of success. And then when he upped the ante the next year and said, I'm gonna go 200, I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) And as you guys know, elevation is everything. Yes. And elevation gain is everything when it comes to trail running. People say, well, you only went 10 minute mile pace. And I was like, yeah, because there was 40,000 miles of elevation gain. So. The difference between the Mohican 100 and the Tahoe 200 was like not times two, but it was like exponential. And so that 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 transition from 100 to 200 was a shock to all of us, and 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 that is certainly shown in the film. Well, I can't wait to see it. Uh, it is an endure is the movie. So this is your second project that you've. So this is your fourth documentary, but your second project you've worked with Tom on, I guess, huh? Yeah, you know, we've done a lot of stories together at okay. Channel 7, and then I did I did the short doc um, a couple of years ago for his 100 race, and then this one, and I've done a couple of other docs. They've mainly been for the TV station. Um, but yeah, this this one I had to really give a lot of thought to, had to prepare to. I, I've done a lot of 50Ks, and I've done mm-hmm. a lot of ultras on my mountain bike, so I had to really plan and prepare for this as well because I had to hang with him for much of the race which which nearly killed me so Jay had to prepare Tom you probably got to prepare a little more than Jay does if you're gonna do the whole 200 miles like how are you preparing for a 200 mile so, so that's the funny part race. Uh, you know it, if, if I were training for a marathon m- many of us know how you would train for a marathon and, and it's a lot different when you're training for an ultra because you have to um, you have to factor in um, the, the mental 
portion of it, uh, the hallucinatory portion of it. Right. You're going to hallucinate it from lack of sleep. So a guy like me, I'm a back-of-the-pack guy. I mean, I'm sure. not fast. And so with a, with these 200-mile races, there are very strict time cutoffs, and um, which leaves me to sleep maybe. Okay, so I, the Tahoe 200, I completed it in about 96 hours. And I think of that 96 hours, I probably slept about five hours, wow. maybe five and a half hours periodically, you know, an hour here, an hour there. Um, so it lent itself to some very interesting um, hallucinations, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I was seeing a lot of stuff that just wasn't there, right. uh, which was weird because intellectually, I knew that it was impossible for these things to be in front of me, but I saw them nonetheless. G- give us an example. So as, as, as I was running, it was at night, and, uh, and I had, hadn't slept for, for, for what seemed like days, and everywhere I looked were photographs. And it's important to note, I guess, at this point, that I carry pictures of children with cancer on my races, one picture for each mile, mm. and of a child who's either fighting cancer or who has lost their battle to cancer. And my daughter, Shayla, is always the last mile. So when I'm getting tired and when I want to quit, usually I look at these pictures and it prevents me from quitting, except in the case of the Bigfoot 200, which I can talk about later. <laughs> but anyways, um, as, I, as I was heading into this really difficult portion of the trail at night with no sleep, um, I started seeing photographs everywhere. Instead of leaves on the trees, there were it was all photographs, but not specific to children with cancer. There were like photographs of, of rock musicians from the 50s, like <laughs> Chuck Berry, and there were uh, high school graduation pictures and and they were everywhere and i and i couldn't shake them and when i would try to shake my head and shake i'd look on the ground and and instead of rocks and and pavers there would be photographs and it was it was one of the strangest things but the guy behind me saw a boat so i was like <laughs> so i was like i'm good because i was right. like i'm seeing You're photographs this guy him. saw a boat yeah. and he he believed it you know yeah. so we were having this conversation like i was like i know i didn't see a boat but i saw a boat i said i know man i know um, <laughs> but so what i do to train for them is is i is i run a lot obviously mm-hmm. I get out into the trails. Now, we don't have the elevation, you know, the benefit of, of high elevation here. So it's a struggle to find something really to dig in. So if I find a hill, Maryland Heights out at Harper's Ferry has got a really good hill. So I go do four, five, six, seven loops. It's a short course, but it's very steep. So I do many, 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 many loops there. But running for running is just not enough training for a race like this. There's a big mental component. So I will get up at two o'clock in the morning after I haven't slept and go out and run five miles when I don't want to, um, you know, and also do, I do a lot of cross training. Um, you know, I do some CrossFit, I do some weight training, um, you know, some yoga. I've been getting into hot yoga recently because I think it helps not only mentally, but helps to stretch things. And so I'm, I'll try, there's really nothing I won't try. Um, but, uh, but obviously I run ad nauseum. So you've got, uh, you know, pictures of, of kids who are fighting the, 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 their battle with cancer or have passed from the battle. How do, how do we raise funds for those, for, for the stillbrave.org uh, foundation? Okay, good. I'm glad you mentioned it. So just jumping ahead a little bit off, off of the 200, off the Tahoe 200, after completing the Tahoe 200, which I did complete successfully, um, I upped the stakes even more. And I went then to the Bigfoot 200, which is up Mount St. Helens Volcano in Washington State. It's across the Cascade Mountains for 206.5 miles the problem is it's arguably and i don't know who the heck is arguing it because it's hard <laughs> the hardest ultra marathon on the continent i don't think there's one harder you could argue barkley but they're they're two different animals um but uh i have been unsuccessful in my past two attempts the first time i only made it 91 miles and i timed out um it was record heat though let, let, yeah let, it was 103 it was, degrees it was, it was right. very, it was 103 very degrees percentage. on the face of the volcano um, the, in 2016, and um, I, I just wasn't prepared for that. And I did my best, and I, you know, I kept digging and digging and digging. And I, unfortunately, like I say, I only got 91 miles out of it before I timed out. 
But I went back again, and um, this past year at about mile 17, I um, was crossing these lava rocks, and my back heel caught a rock and my front foot slid. So I did a splits and pulled my groin significantly, and my hip popped out. And then I had to, and it was in the middle of nowhere in the blast zone, and I still had 15 miles to go before the next aid station, uh, at which time the medic suggested with a stern look on his face that I that I take a <laughs> medical disqualification. Now, do you, do you play lava at home to prep for that race? <laughs> I do not, but right. uh, but I do I do play uh, the the song uh, by the B 52s Hot Lava. I don't know if All you right, know there that. you go. All right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um so but this year I'm going back, okay. and this is third time's a charm. Yeah. And I started training as soon as I got home, as soon as I was healthy enough. I'm still nursing the injury a little bit, but I'm back to training. And uh, so what we're doing now is we're dedicating each of the 200 miles to a different child. You can go to our website. It's in development right now. It'll be up and running probably the next couple of weeks. Um, and for each kid, there'll be 206 children. We're asking for sponsors. So anybody could sponsor it, an individual, a family, a business. And we're asking each sponsor to, to commit to raising a minimum of $1,000 over the next 11 months, which you divide that over 11 months, and it's really not that much. And also, and this will be really interesting for, for your listeners, sure. is we want to add a different component to it. So each team then, we not only want them to raise money, but we want you to, here's my favorite saying, ask your doctor if getting off your ass is right for you. Okay. <laughs> so we want people to get out there, and we want people to move. We want people to walk, and we want people to run. We want people to get healthy too so we're going to allow the teams to compete in a little friendly competition with um, miles occurred both running and walking so if you put together a team and you commit to raising a thousand dollars you also log in your miles if you go out and you're training for a marathon and you run a hundred miles in a month log in your hundred miles and everybody on your team logs in the miles at the end of the year before my race we'll look at who's raised the most money who's logged in the most miles and there'll be prizes and there'll be a lot of um, hopefully media attention and we'll put you on our t-shirts. I mean, it's a great opportunity for runners and, and, and even Pacers. If Pacers wants to get on board, we'd be happy to feel, give you sponsorship information. Absolutely. We'll have to talk about that for sure. So Jay, you uh, mentioned you had to get in shape. Um, you're, you're a fit runner. Like what, what type, type of shape? Why was this difficult or why was it different than what you uh, normally run? Well, you know, it's interesting when, when I did the hundred miler with him and I followed him around, mm-hmm. um, I realized that, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of this is really mental, but a lot of it is since I've done ultras before, I knew that I had to train specifically for the conditions. Um, and I knew that I wouldn't be going fast, but I knew that I'd be going up and down a lot of, uh, a lot of elevation. So I just did tons and tons and tons of hill workouts, just there's nonstop. And I really actually kind of overdid it a little bit i was starting to have some issues with my stronger side calf which you know Mm -hmm. sometimes happens when you know you're doing too much of one thing but um yeah i would just you know like get on my mountain bike and put on a 30 pound pack because that was how i got around the race for the most part is i would go into aid stations had a mountain bike in the back and i'd have all my gear in a pack a backpack and i would go into the aid station ride in a mile or two get footage, follow Tom back into the aid station, get an update from him on how he was doing on camera. Then I'd go ahead a mile or two, get him coming in again, um, go back to that same aid station, and then follow that iterative pattern all the way around. Um, so I would sleep when he would sleep. I got maybe a little more than he did. Wow. But I would have to say that uh, the the physicality of it wasn't the hard part. Um, it was, uh, we were up in elevation and there were a lot of fires that were going on at that time. It was really, really dry, really, really dusty. And I got a little dehydrated. I was eating well, um, but I got really dehydrated. And then I started getting some really bad sleep deprivation near the end. So it was really, uh, 
I wish I had actually done more of the things that Tom did, like train later at night and do some of those things, because I started losing my mind, too. I'm sure. And then we And did you see the photographs or a boat? (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, I think I got a little bit more sleep than Tom. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's really hard when you're also trying to... um, operate equipment yeah while you're horribly sleep deprived and um you know and then he and i got on each other's nerves yeah, a few times i have to take the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the opportunity to publicly apologize for the horrible way with which i treated him <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'd come in and i mean i i hadn't slept i was i was dehydrated i was hungry i was cranky understandably and, grumpy and yeah. i would be you know get that camera out of my yeah. face wow and, you know, no no i mean i'm I, i'm a really nice guy by nature right <laughs> And Jay's my friend. He really right. is. But you wouldn't know it from some parts of that film. Well, well the, the website is endurefilm.com. Portions of proceeds, if you order the film, will go to Childhood Cancer Foundations. So you're a one-man band out there, Jay. Like, you are filming, and do you have uh, somebody with you helping you? You got the 30-pound ba- pack, pack. I mean, is there anybody else out there with you? No, that was it. Wow. It was uh it was really helpful in that he had a crew of people helping him out. You know, in most of these races, there are very few people who are just doing it solo. I mean, some of the mm-hmm. really elite, 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 and some people who, who you know, prefer to have this be a solitary experience. But a lot of people usually have one, two, maybe three people helping them out with their drop bags and that kind of stuff. Tom had a great crew, and they would help me a little bit. Like maybe like they would have the GoPro in some of the scene. Like, for example, when he's hallucinating, mm-hmm. one of the crew members, we had actually had a two-camera shoot where she had the GoPro and I had my regular camera. But but I, I would say that probably 98% of the footage was taken by me. And that was a really, really steep learning curve for, uh, for me because um, in my first TV market in little tiny Helena, Montana, where I fell in love with trail running and with, with mountain biking, I did shoot. And, but I hadn't picked up a camera in more than 20 years. Sure. So yeah. it was a very steep learning curve. And then you had to also edit the film. Yeah. And then now you're marketing. The, I mean, this is a this is a truly a one-man band. And I will say this. Um, he has the pictures that keep him going. Well, one of the crew members is a woman named Laura Owens. And you'll find out when you watch the film that she's just as much a part of the film as Tom is. And... Um, she lost her son, Cole, who was mile 22, I think. I think mile 22, yes. 22. Mm-hmm. About six weeks before the race. Oh, wow. And so she came out and crewed. And when you're hanging out with her at aid stations and when you're talking with her as we're waiting for Tom or just shooting the breeze or this or that, or when things get really tense and he's got literally 15 or 20 minutes to get his butt out of that aid station or he's going to be DQ'd. I mean, there are a couple of moments in this race where we are freaking out mm-hmm. because they miscalculated a couple of times on when the cutoff time was. So there was a lot of tension. But when Laura Owens is there, you are not going to stop. Yep. It doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how hungry you are. It doesn't matter how much pain you're in. When you've got a mother who just lost her son who's on your crew, I mean— that's what got me through. So, t- Tom, I mean, there, that, t- to that point, there's a ton of people depending on you. Not only is Jay making this documentary, uh, you know, you've got crew members who are, you know, affected by this, and then you're running for all these kids. How's that pressure? I don't know whether he finishes the race or not. I mean, may- maybe can we spoil it and, sa- and say whether he finishes or not? There must be a well, ton I don't, of pressure. I don't mind telling you. Yeah. I, 
I damn sure did complete. <laughs> All right, there we go. And nice. he did it. There we go. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, it was, was the hardest thing I've ever yeah. done, but I definitely yeah. compete, completed it. And yeah. uh, and I would encourage you to watch the movie because my completing the race is really uh, a small moot point right. in the whole right. scheme of things anyway. It was, for me, you know, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm the king of quotes, but, you know, when my daughter died, I wondered why somebody didn't do something. And then I realized I am somebody. So I do stuff, man. Uh, you know, I'd cut my arm off if it would help children with cancer and their families. Um, I'm collecting the 206 children right now that are going to be um, honored in the Bigfoot 200 next August. And I take the pictures very seriously, and I take the families very seriously because I get emails and I get these stories. They're not statistics. They're children. And um, and I take my responsibility um, very seriously. I will tell you, and I'll be the NJ knows because we're we're friends, so we've talked intimately about this. I mean, it is pressure and it is heavy, and it is hard. And you know, oftentimes I wish I was an auto mechanic right. instead. You know, but that's not the way that my life um, that my life played out, and that's not what my daughter would want for me. Um, I don't make very many promises because when I do make them, I, I I keep them, and I take my promises very seriously. I promised my daughter that I was going to dedicate the rest of my life to helping children with cancer and their families, and I don't care how heavy it gets uh, i intend to do that uh so yeah there's a lot of pressure um i don't like being um you know in the position that i'm in sometimes but if i don't do it who's going to do it you know and if not me then who and you know and the reality is in this country and and, and i could spend the rest of this talk- conversation uh, talking to you about the lack of funding mm-hmm. um the the reprehensible way uh, that we treat children with cancer we're still using 20 30 40 in some cases 50 year old chemotherapies to treat our children there have only been three new drugs approved by the fda in the past 30 years to treat childhood cancers what number is your iphone i bet it's six or seven or possibly mm-hmm. eight right, right. so i'm saying um you know i'm not sure you know there's a, a a drug that they still use in the cocktail to treat many many cancers including hodgkin's lymphoma that my daughter had and it's called doxorubicin and it's a red colored chemotherapy which has been nicknamed the red devil mm-hmm. and the reason that they've re- nicknamed it the red devil is because in many cases it causes the child's heart to stop and in, that's what happened to my daughter they administered this life-saving well, they euphemistically call it medicine, uh, this poison to save her life and her heart stopped working. So we had to install a pacemaker defibrillator. You know, So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure what killed my daughter. Was it the cancer or was it the cure? So in the absence of a cure, and my organization does not concern itself, Still Brave Childhood Cancer Foundation does not concern itself with research, although I'm a big activist and you will often find me. In fact, uh, two weeks ago I was down in D.C. leading a protest march of over 800 people demanding more money and more attention for children with cancer and their families. But there is no cure. And so my organization does not concern ourselves with a cure. We concern ourselves with the day-to-day needs that a family undergoing um, you know, treatment for their child may, may experience. Um, I'd certainly like a cure, but in the absence of a cure, there is still brave. We provide gas cards, grocery cards. We do home repairs. We do car repairs. Um, sadly, I help to pay for way too many funerals. I buy tombstones. Mm. Um, one of the things that is really interesting to look at me, you would never guess, and it's, it baffles me as well, but kids with cancer dig me. Like they do, <laughs> man. It is the most craziest thing, and Jay can tell you. Yeah. Like I'm a magnet, and they love me, and the families love me. And so I spend a lot of my time in the chemotherapy clinics and in the hospitals playing crazy eights. Um, and, and in fact, it, my board of directors is always, if that's all I would, if it were up to me, that's all I would do, <laughs> would be go to the clinic and play crazy And what is eights. that, what does that mean? So 
you're just going to hospitals and meeting these kids. Yeah. So, well, my, obviously my organization provides assistance to mm-hmm. the families. So um, I, I know all of the social workers and, and the different uh, administrators at the hospitals and the chemotherapy clinics. But because of the sort of the attention that I've gotten via social media, I've done three TED Talks about childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. Certainly Jay and I have done some Emmy Award winning uh, stories on Channel 7 um, with regards to um, children with cancer and some things my organization has done for them. Um, so we have families that reach out to us. We have social workers that reach out to us. And, um, what we, what, what we often find in many cases is, is while I provide, um, financial assistance, I provide something else that you can't quantify with a gift card or, um, you know, a check. It's just this, I get it, you know, and having been where, where I have, I understand what you guys, no offense, don't. Sure. You know. And why, uh, so this is a running podcast, so why why running as the vehicle to get the word out? And why ultra running? Well, can't you just go out and run a marathon or something? Right. I mean, a marathon so, would be easy, so, right? So let me tell why you the story. Why do you guys think running is That's it? a really, so, really yeah. good question. Yeah. He's got a great yeah. answer. Yeah. So let me tell you the story. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, I thought the same thing, right? Uh, maybe I'll, what could I do? So I, I did the boxing and I wasn't mm-hmm. generating any money. So I was like, maybe I'll run a marathon. And I've seen, you see people do it all the time. They raise money via marathons. So I decided to run a marathon. Well, as I was training for the marathon, I overtrained and I, I had five stress fractures in my leg, five class four stress fractures. And uh, so anyway, while I was healing, um, you know, I, I got really aggressive about, about getting still brave going. So anyway, long story short, the doctor told me stay off your leg for two weeks, three weeks, then you could start running, you know, maybe eight weeks down the road. About six weeks later, I was running and, uh, and I completed the Marine Corps marathon and we raised about $5,000. Sure. So I said, wow, the Marine Corps Marathon, I raised $5,000. Then I met this lady who told me, she goes, man, why are you wasting your time running on the streets? And no offense to any street runners out there. She goes, the, 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 the meditation and the peace you're looking for, you're going to find it in the woods. You're going to find it on the trails. So taking her advice, I went to the trails, and, and she was right. She was absolutely right. The closest I've ever gotten, I'm not, the closest I've ever gotten to prayer and meditation is when I'm in the trails running, and it's very therapeutic for me. So I got this great idea. Well, we raised $5,000 running a, um, a marathon. Let's see what happens if we try a 50K. So we did a 50K and we raised a little bit more. I said, well, dang, I wonder how much money we'd make if we ran a 50 miler. So I ran a 50 miler and made 25,000. Wow. And I was like, dang, if, <laughs> if, if, if we ran <laughs> a, tw- a 50 miler at 25,000, I said, wonder what would happen and every, if I ran a 100 miler. So this is my evolution was marathon, 50K, 50 miler, 100 miler and the 100 miler which I partnered which we raised 88,000. Wow. So I said to myself, self, <laughs> if we raised 88,000 running a uh, 100 miler, how much could we make? How much could we raise and how many lives could we touch if I ran a 200 miler? And when all was said and done after the Tahoe 200, we raised $236,000. And so then I said, okay, well, what can I do next? And and there unfortunately there's not much beyond a 200 miler race right now, although there's there may one day be but I found the most difficult 200 miler, which is arguably is uh, the Bigfoot 200. And while I've been unsuccessful the past couple of years, we still raised a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, and I intend to go back, uh, like I say, a third time. And, you know, I, I didn't choose running. Um, you know, as I'm out there training for some of these races, I'm thinking myself the same thing. Why not an ice cream eating contest? You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. But running shows me and, and, and it is the, the vehicle that's working for us right now. And I, I could no more explain to you why it's, it, it is what it is. And I could explain to you why children with cancer dig me. And I've long since given up questioning either of those things. I just do it. It's awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to see the film. 
The film is indoors. So Jay, what, uh, like, what, how do you get this film out there? Like, where do we, I mean, obviously you can order it on indoorfilm.com, but does this go to film festivals? Like what's the process there? Yeah. So it's, it's, there is a fairly standard process. Um, you know, you spend all this time shooting and editing it and you think that that's the hard part. And then you've got to push it out to all these various film festivals. And we had some success with those, but that's really, so you can kind of get the word out, hope that somebody picks up distribution. Maybe you get into a really big film festival and that's really kind of like a resume for the film. And so we, uh, so we did that. The world premiere was at the trail running film festival last year. Um, in Seattle, Washington. And then it's just, you know, can you get a distribution deal? And those are really, really, really hard to get. So I ended up doing a self-distribution model through Vimeo on demand, which is a, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. So I know Vimeo and that's what I saw on your website here. So Vimeo is, is a site similar to YouTube where Mm -hmm. people can post videos, but you can post these films and you can have people buy the films on them. Yeah. And then we're using the website indoorfilm.com, which in the coming weeks is going to really, really expand. And you're going to see a lot of great things on that website, backstories. You're going to see forward stories. So how are all the people in the film doing now? Because it's been two years. Mm -hmm. It's really important for me to articulate. Yes, this is a running film. Anybody who's ever pushed themselves in any endeavor in their life is going to be so deeply moved by this film. I get the chills just thinking yeah. about it. It changed my life. Anybody who watches it, when you get done with that film, you will want to stand up and do something additional with your life. But it's also a film about struggle. And so I tell a whole so as we're going through the race, there's going to be a series of backstories. So how did Tom get here? Let's talk about some of these kids. So I literally go with him and I meet some of these kids who he's helping. So it's 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 not only a story that I think that the trail running community and the running community in general, anybody who who tries to push themselves or has been through any kind of a struggle, of course the childhood cancer community is 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 really excited about this film coming out because we hope to to really create awareness. Uh, we're we're in the nation's capital. We really really hope that we can kind of change the um, the conversation with some of the policy leaders of our country. Awesome. Well, we look forward to, to it coming out. We need to do something with Pace the Nation. Maybe this is our next happy hour. We have uh, people get together and watch this film when it comes out November 16th. And we're, we're, we're going to tweet out some pictures of Jay and, and, and Tom here. But these guys are, 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 you know, they're friends. But I would say the odd couple here. You know, we got, we, we got, Almost as different as me and Farley. I know. Exactly. We've got... Straight lace. J- I mean, is that going to be hard to tell who's the TV reporter and 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 who's the guy of stillbrave.org? I don't think when we tweet out the pictures, we probably won't need. Uh, and labels. we didn't always get a lot. I mean, yeah. yes, we are friends. Yes. Like I could totally hang out with him. I hug. I have hung out with him. Yes. Um, and we have a deep and abiding respect for each other. But uh, I got to tell you, there were a couple of times on that mountain where we were kind of at each other's throats, and you see it in the film. Awesome. I love that. that yeah, they, the interesting thing about Jay and I is we are—I don't think we're as an unlikely pairing as as me and, and child children with cancer. Right. But the thing is, when Jay and I get together, the universe conspires in our favor, and and big things happen. And I mean, the stories that he and I have done together, um, and the and the children um, who were in those stories, um, I believe that we've we've very positively impacted and 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 made great strides in in the awareness campaign that we're that we're striving for. Nobody's more we've talked about each other all the yep. time you know, nobody's more surprised than us that's great but uh, but it works and just like you know i, I i've long stopped, stopped questioning things you know i just i just roll with it man awesome. but, but i will tell you this is 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 tom has 
I, I would argue one of the most important and one of the hardest jobs I've ever, I mean, you know, I talk to people for a living. I've sure. done probably 15 or 20,000 stories. I've met so many people. I don't think I've met somebody with a harder job than him, uh, but it's a job that he takes really seriously. And, um, you know, he has spent so many time with so many children with cancer. I've, I've, I have only sort of scratched the surface on the number of kids that I have talked with, but when one of them looks you in the eye and challenges you, that you've got an important job and that you can do better and that you have a moral obligation to tell these stories and to do them well, uh, that's a challenge that you have to accept. That's awesome. Well, that's Jay Kerf. He is of ABC7 and EndureFilm.com. Jay, before we get you guys out of here, uh, how, how have the reviews been for the uh, movie? Yeah, we've been really lucky. We, we um, showed it to some high-profile folks in the childhood cancer community just mm-hmm. to get their reaction and see what they thought because we feel like we have to honor them, and we got really great response from them. Um, uh, one person said it's it's you know kind of finally someone's telling the story that needs to be told. Very cool. Um, and it was my honor to I've got a friend of a friend of Michael Wardian who to me is not only one of the great runners of our time but one of the great humanitarians. Yeah, he's been on our show and that guy, man. He's unbelievable, but yes, I mean, he you is. know, he wins almost every race he <laughs> enters or at least he finishes I near know, the top. I know. And um, you know, he is such a wonderful person and he took the time to a few people and there were some other people who were taking a look at the film and and he gave it a great a great review. So I hope that there are runners out there who um regardless of whether they're in the back of the pack or the front of the pack. And I've always been a firm believer that the folks that are in the back of the pack yep. are working just as hard or harder than the people in the front of the pack. And, you know, so hopefully people will watch the film. And not only that, if it has an impact, and I think this has been a general philosophy, a general ethos of mine, if something moves you and you believe in something, you know, you want to tell other people about it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this film will have an impact on folks. So, Tom, what's uh, next for you running-wise? Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, I'm going back. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to try the Bigfoot 200 again yeah. uh, in August. And, um, you know, if you've, if you've heard anything that I've said today, what I'd really like, the point I'd really like to drive home is, um, you know, I wondered why somebody didn't do something mm-hmm. uh, when my daughter died, and then I realized I am somebody. So I want you guys to ask yourself, you know, are you somebody? And if you are, you know, and you're a runner, uh, why don't you take a look at, at this fundraising campaign, this awareness campaign that we have going on. We'd love to have you put a team together uh, to log your miles and have your miles matter. You know, and, and we're all out there and we're benefiting physically and we're feeling better. But to have your miles matter and, and the awareness that this could raise and just by you making a difference and by you giving a damn, it could impact and positively touch the life of a child with cancer and their families. And if, if you've heard nothing else that I've said today, I hope, I hope that point was driven home. That's the main reason that I'm doing this. Tom Mitchell, he's the Childhood Cancer Foundation. Uh, stillbrave.org is his website. Fellas, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time and joining us and talking about this great movie and a great cause. My pleasure. Thanks so much Thanks for having so much. us. All right, there they go. It's Jay and Tom. Again, the movie is endurefilm.com. Coming November 16th. This is Pace Nation. We'll take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Jay Korf and Tom Mitchell for joining us today in studio to talk about their new film, Endure, endurefilm.com. You can pre-order now, as we mentioned before, uh, the film, and it comes out November 16th. So go to the website, pre-order. Sounds like it's going to be an awesome film. Really cool what those guys are doing. Very, very cool. 
Joanna, what was your favorite part of the interview? Um, I think when we talked about the race. Yeah, the mm. race is ridiculous. I agree. I agree. 200 miles. My, I don't even drive that in a week. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. This is our last show. All right. Um, jump the shark. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Docs, I mentioned earlier on that you went to a concert this, this past oh, yeah. weekend. Yeah. Um, I think it was Sunday. I went I went to a concert in Charlottesville on Sunday. I actually went to a concert last night, too. You did? Yeah, wow. at Six and I. Well, what was the concert last night? Langhorn Slim. Right. Oh, no way. Yeah. I don't oh. know he's, he's really good. Yeah. yeah Fat Boy yeah. Slim. I don't know Langhorn Slim. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but you went to the concert for Charlottesville, an evening of music and unity. Yeah. It, it was a concert organized in the wake of the violence resulting from the protests in Charlottesville, which took the life of Heather Heyer. And her mother was actually there and, and, and gave a really nice speech. Um, and the, the idea was to have an evening celebrating love and unity rather than hate and division. Uh, it was put together in just a few weeks, really short notice. Uh, and I think, I think they, they pulled it off. I think it was a really cool event. And, and I think that they, they accomplished the goal they were setting out. Uh, a lot of like A-list, uh, uh, acts that that perform right yeah the dave matthews band headlined and and dave matthews organized the the event oh, okay. um, but they had justin timberlake ariana grande stevie wonder was a special guest the roots played uh and they they were the backup they played some of their own stuff they were the backup band for a couple people including pharrell and cage the elephant opened up all right, um, so... Uh, and you know, special ahead. guests, mm-hmm. Chris Martin and his guitarist from Coldplay showed wow. up. So, uh, you, know I love, you know I love lists here. Uh-huh. Joanna, rank those yeah. artists. Yeah, who would you favorite. rather see out of, out of all of those? So we have Dave Matthews, we have The Roots, we have Chris Martin, JT. we have Justin Timberlake, uh, Ariana Grande, and uh, am I missing the Elephant. I don't know who the elephant people are. <laughs> <laughs> so... Rate those for me, please. Um, uh, you can do five to one. There was six there, but, you know. There was a lot more than six people right, there. But fine. Those are yeah. the headliners. Okay. Well, Pharrell. Yeah. I, w- I think I would be excited. I've seen Dave Matthews before. Okay. So he's your fifth? Yeah. Ish. Or okay. didn't make the list. It might be what she's saying. <laughs> she's, right. she's doing honorable mention for All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, like I'm sure JT's an an exciting performer. Mm-hmm. So That's I, correct. Yeah. yeah. So I would put him maybe somewhere in the top just for the performance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's two or three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know about Ariana Grande. I have like no feelings about I, her. I can tell you that put her at uh, the end. she her hers was probably the worst performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when she came out, she's a she's a very talented singer. No band at all. They just pumped. Like they just put a like a it's like she's doing karaoke. There was oh. there was no band and it was just playing her her music and she was singing along, and even in that singing, possibly her doing her own backup singing. It, like you don't go to a concert to listen to somebody's CD. That's my whole thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, agree with that. I put her at the bottom of my list after the performances. All okay. right, so who's not who's to your, influence who's, who's, you at all? Who's your number one? Um. I I've never seen Cage the Elephant, so like maybe I'd. Put I don't them. even know who that is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I think I'd maybe put them somewhere on top, but I also uh, I would love to see Pharrell. I think he'd be a good performer. Yeah. All right. I don't know who I knew know who Pharrell is. Um, yeah. He says "Shake it up" or something. What? A lot. No. Okay. Maybe I don't know who Pharrell is. How? Yes, you do. He sings "Happy." 
Yes. Okay. All right. So I do know know Pharrell. Okay. I don't know the Slim. I don't know the Elephant. I don't know either of those well, bands. Well, Langhorne Slim Langhorn, wasn't. Was Langhorne okay, Slim was, was played at Six and I. Yeah. That's yeah. right. This guy's an avid concert goer. All right. I'm going to give you my list um, from five to one. Well, who, was, who was your number one? Oh, Cage. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. So the, Cage didn't make my list because I don't mm-hmm. know who they are. Grande would be number uh, number five for me. Mm-hmm. Number four would be The Roots. Oh, no, number, right, yeah. number three would be... Uh, the lead singer of Chris Martin. He's the lead singer of Coldplay. Okay. Number two would be Justin Timberlake. And the number one, of course, is the Dave Matthews Band. So of that's course. that's the correct list of, <laughs> of how these... Uh, all right, Docs, let's hear these your bands list. Should well, be rated. I mean, I was, I was pretty excited to see Cage the Elephant. Um, unfortunately, they played first and had a, a very short clock. Mm. Uh, would I know a Cage the Elephant song? Yes, you would recognize uh, Cage the Elephant songs okay. if, if you heard them. All right, all right. Uh, and I'm going to say this, like, when you go to a concert, you don't really want to hear a lot of talking. And he, they only had a, a limited time on stage, and he read a poem uh, I think like his poems are cool when they're set to the music that they sing. Mm. Uh, but maybe so maybe they should have written a song for that poem that he wrote because I think that fell flat, which is which is fine. They're allowed to take risks and, and, and whatnot. But uh, I think they only ended up playing like four songs. Okay. Um, and and also it was at the beginning of the day and the sun was in my eyes at the time. So uh, but I would love to see them play again. I, I think they're they're a very talented band. Um Pharrell was was very entertaining. I, I thought the Roots the Roots did like play their own make stuff. My list. Uh, the Roots did. Pharrell has so many songs. Like he, he has Happy. He has Lucky. He he has the song. Say Shake It Up. Okay. No, okay. that's Taylor Swift. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but Pharrell actually is a producer uh, from very Virginia. Ta- yeah, talented producer. So he's he's worked with lots of artists. Uh, he did Blurred Lines with, with uh, Robin Thicke. Oh, I like that. Okay, you, I like you know that, that song. song. Well, you like the video. I like. <laughs> Joanna, you like that song? No, definitely jo- not. Joanna, do you like the unedited video? <laughs> I find them both offensive. <laughs> okay. All right. Pharrell's moving up the list. Okay, go right. ahead. Um, so, But I, I, I liked how the, the Roots played for, for multiple people. Dave Matthews' band was, was great. I mean, they, they were tight. Uh, Tim Reynolds was playing on stage with them. They brought John DeEarth out at, at one point. Okay. Um, and, and they, but they had a limited set and then they brought Stevie Wonder out, which was a nice surprise. And Stevie Wonder talked forever. Yeah. See, and, he didn't make my list and I'm glad and, he didn't. But, but they played some cool songs. So with Stevie Wonder, they played, um, they played Superstitious, I think. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, but then they covered Imagine, which is, which is really cool. But like I said, you know, it's like the end of the night. There's, you know, you're looking at your watch, like okay, it's time to go. And then, and Stevie Wonder is just telling like these stories, uh, which is, you know, I hate, I hate to say, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, kind of like it kind of sucked the energy out. But I understand why. I mean, the whole the whole point was like uh, of the concert was was to help heal uh, from the events that happened mm-hmm. um, down in Charlottesville uh, in in what. August or July, uh, you know, this summer. Right. Um, so I understand why they why they were talking, but but that kind of sounds the one. I sound like such a jerk <laughs> yeah. uh, saying that, but uh, yeah. And I like Justin Timberlake was his performance was really strong. It was it was really good. He's he's I mean, understatement of the year, but he's a born entertainer, you know. So it, it was entertaining watching him watching him perform as well. So give me your rating, five to one. Um. 
Yeah, that's tough. I mean, like as far as like who who did the best job or who I was excited to see or who no, I wanted to who see. No, who entertained you the most? Um, to the least, probably Dave Matthews, the top. Okay. Um, I thought that that uh, Justin Timberlake to Chris Martin three. Wow, he's which, which was surprising. With me. Well, well, it's more surprising you're lockstep with me. Yeah. Well, the the um, and then probably Pharrell four. Uh, or Pharrell with with uh, the Roots, and okay. then Cage the Elephant, and I th- I think I would have liked Cage the Elephant more if they had if they had more opportunity to play longer, but they they barely played. Um, so, but the thing is that like Chris Martin, I, I like if if you asked me today, hey, you want to go see Coldplay tonight? I'd say no, <laughs> but but they were there, I was there, and and very entertaining, very funny, very engaging, uh, and it was just two of them, so they they played piano and guitars and and. Uh, you know, without without the backup of of the rest of the band, and it, it was it was interesting. It was different, and I liked it. Very cool. Well, um, I'm not a big music guy, so uh, but but that that concert with those that lineup actually moved me. So I'm glad you went, and it sounds like you had a great time. Was the were the tickets free? Tickets were free. Wow, they, they're hard cool. to come by. Yeah, very um, cool. And I drove down with with uh, my friend Raymond. Yep, who probably doesn't listen to this show. Uh, so we could say whatever we want about sure. him, and he'll never find Unload out. Unload on him. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, I just say nice things because he drove. <laughs> uh, right. And and then we met uh, Palmer uh, down in Charlottesville, who got us the tickets. Uh, Farley's first year roommate. That's right. And uh, went with with uh, his boys and his fiance, fiance. So it was, it was a good time. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for that uh, report. Um, speaking of music, did you know? Did you guys know that? Um, Someone from Arlington has made the first cut of The Voice. Did you guys know that? A middle school teacher. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If you want us to answer the question, the answer is okay. no. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised you have to ask if I am current <laughs> on my reality television. Well, shows. I just wanted to mention this. When we're talking about music. Brandon Showell, uh, he's a middle school teacher at Kenmore, and he just made the first cut of The Voice. Very cool. Whose team is he on? He's on Team Adam. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Joanna knows what that means. T- whose team is he on? <laughs> yeah. She's pretending like she doesn't <laughs> exactly. watch this show. Yeah. I well, have no idea what that question meant. And he's with Adam Levine. Yeah, I'm not current on the shows, but I li- I used to live with people who watched a lot of reality television shows. So and you I, had no other choice but to be in the room and watch it with them. Well, if I'm like sitting at the dining room table mm-hmm. doing work, it's mm-hmm. like right in front of me. I, I'm a sucker for, for people who have good voices. I'm not a big, mm-hmm. you know, if you play an instrument or whatever. But if you can sing, that to me is is a fr- freaking cool talent. Anyway, so mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about music. I just wanted to mention that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it is Arlington County related. Um, all right. Facebook, you guys, uh, we, are Facebook. Up to, we are up to 70 likes on Facebook. Uh, so 70 likes on Facebook. If we get to 500, I mentioned this before, we are going to do a Facebook Live event at our next uh, Pace the Nation broadcast. Mm-hmm. So let's get, get the word out. Get us up to 500. I know everybody wants to see us uh, Facebook Mess up. Live. People, yeah, people want to yeah. see how many takes. Exactly. That's yeah. what you really want to see. Yeah. And ridicule, ridicule <laughs> us. Yeah. Uh, so well, it could be interactive, can it? Like then, oh, then we can have the computer up, and then uh, rather than doing the show, Farley could be distracted by all the comments. Yeah, that would that would definitely be the case. So we are up to seventy likes. Let's get to five hundred. We'll do a Facebook Live event for our next show. So tell your friends uh, 
tell your family, let's get those likes uh, up hey, to 500. If your dog has its own Facebook page, like us from your dog's account. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have a store in Princeton, New Jersey. Coming up next for Pacers, big month Marine Corps Marathon is happening in about a month from now. And you can buy the Marine Corps Marathon official gear uh, at runpacers.com. So check that out online. Uh, very, very cool that we have that in store, both in the Clarendon and Old Town stores right now. And um, also, of course, you can buy it online. So runpacers.com for that. All right, guys, good show. Episode 124 in the books. An important show today. Thank you, guys. Good job. Also, thanks to Jay Korf and Tom Mitchell for joining us in studio today. Of course, their websites are endurefilm.com. So you got to check that film out coming out in November. And also, stillbrave.org is Tom's website. Great stories. Look forward to following their progress and look forward to seeing the film. All right, thanks to Joanna, thanks to Docs, thanks to our executive producer, Kathy, and thanks to you, the listener. This is Space Nation. I'm Chris Farley. We will see you next week. just finished though if you listen closely to the very end of the song you'll hear that you open the door while it was still recording sorry about that well something for you to listen for <laughs> it'll be my own personal easter egg mm-hmm. I don't know how many t- how many boxes you had on for me come for the podcast day for the easter eggs yeah I taught a photography class once you did you taught it? as a sub yeah as a mm. substitute in high school I take pictures with my cell phone <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of me the now class too. the high school yeah. photography class that I that I did was uh, it was really cool because the kids were working on their projects and they had a dark room and they just needed a, a supervisor and I was like going in and seeing what they did and at the time they, they did a like the project was a double exposure and there was a kid who took a picture of these horses at a horse farm like so maybe like five or six horses that were kind of looking at him facing him and then or her actually I think it may, may have been a girl uh, and then took a picture of the woods 
And then when they double exposed it, it looked like these ghost horses coming out of oh, the woods. Cool. It was Very amazing. Cool. It was like... It sounds cool. But, but the funny thing is, like, they, they would take a whole roll of double exposed, so maybe if they had 24 pictures, 23 of them sucked, and one of them looked like a Pulitzer. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I go for, because I'm not, I just... You know what's hard about the retakes is, is trying to do the same impulsive jokes that yeah. you that you just that did. Try to Try to... Uh, Recreate that magic. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do. It is hard to do, especially especially when you ad-lib a little bit and, and change up how, how you're doing things. Mm-hmm. I, I do I do good with the initial improv, but then once we start like workshopping a scene like that, it really gives me some trouble. Yo, do you mind real fast while I got you just take one of my my phones just so I can put something. And can you can you sketch us real quick? I, I like sketches. <laughs> sketch artist, I like it. I like the sound of uh, I like the bassy sound that you've got mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. here. I sound a little more manly than I really am. <laughs> that was by Joanna's request. Uh, she, she, she likes the Barry White type. Well, she didn't like working with such Sallies like me and Farley. <laughs> exactly. Sallies. Sorry. I just All right. So so Jay's good. I mean, he's on ABC yeah. ABC yeah. Seven every day, so he's a pro. So um, all right. Um, but but he also did the the song. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, with Robin Thicke? Yeah. I don't particularly like that song, so... I like that song. Okay, uh-huh. he should make up... Oh. What is it called? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know I'm going crazy. Uh-huh. Out of my, my... Domestic. You know you want it. Uh, my One of my friends, like her five-year-old daughter, was like... What does she want, mommy? <laughs> Blurred line. Blurred line. Blurred line. His most famous song. Isn't she lucky? 